This is the City Voice podcast, where we explore the issues that impact Washington cities. On this edition, we've produced an episode for our HR and Labor Relations newsletter, HR Insights. AWC's Candace Box sat down with Rod Yonker, CEO and attorney at Summit Law Group, to talk about current trends in HR and labor relations law and to give a sneak peek at Summit Law's content for the upcoming AWC Labor Relations Institute conference in the first week of May. Hello, everyone. I'm Candace Bach, Government Relations Director for the Association of Washington Cities. And I'm here today with Rod Yonker, CEO of Summit Law Group. And we're going to do a little bit of a preview of the upcoming Labor Relations Institute conference and pick Rod's brain a little bit on some of the hot topics in labor relations right now. Rod, welcome and thanks for joining us. Thanks, Candace. Happy to be here. We were just chatting about LRI coming up and your 25th year, you said? This will be my 25th year in Yakima. We're, uh, we're still not sure how to count last year, so we're just going to take a pass on that. Exactly. I agree. The last couple of years, maybe we'll just skip right over the top of those. But the, as I was telling you, the more heroic milestone is that uh, Otto Klein, who's also not counting last year, will be celebrating his 40th LRI this year with us. So pretty remarkable stuff. Yeah, that's monumental. We will definitely have to celebrate that uh, in Yakima in May. So, you know, speaking of that, we are looking forward to you and the summit team, the summiteers returning to Yakima for LRI this year back in person. What are you looking forward to about LRI this year? Well, it's always been one of our favorite times of year because we get the chance to actually see and meet and hang out with our clients and kind of en masse. And so I'm very much looking forward to that. And, and as a presenter at, at these conferences, it is brutally difficult to do that staring into a camera. And so I can't wait to have a live audience again. But also, it, it's always a good chance, frankly, for, for the summiteers to see each other because we don't always get to do that in our regular workday. And, and this year, I'm very excited to, to have uh, three new summiteers to introduce to the world. So we, we continue to add to our to our uh, depth here, and, and we've got some great people to introduce and, and uh, you know, try it out for the world to see. So that'll all be a lot of fun. That'll be great. It'll be, it will be nice to see everyone. It'll be nice to meet your new folks. And at this point, I think everybody just says it's just nice to see anybody and be anywhere um, instead of in front of a Zoom screen. You know, it's been an interesting last couple of years for sure. What are some of the trends in HR and labor relations that you and your firm have been seeing over the past year? And, you know, what are some of the things you're hoping will get some attention at LRI? Well, I doubt that that we have insights beyond what everybody else is seeing on the first part of your question. I, mean, I think we, we continue to deal with pandemic issues. I think everybody has encountered a, a group of employees coming out of two years of lockdown that's pretty cranky and was kind of figuring out how to, to work and play well with others is a real challenge. And so we're still seeing lots of pandemic related issues. Um, the great resignation has hit the public sector very hard. And so we, we are seeing really critical staffing shortages at a lot of public sector agencies right now. Uh, that's particularly a problem in, in 24-7 staffed operations, but it's also happening in parks departments and road crews and, and everywhere else. And so that's been a, an enormous challenge. And, and then you know, the, the um, 
extremely high inflationary rates that we're experiencing right now are, are adding to, I think, the, the crankiness that people are justifiably feeling at the bargaining table and just making, making things really difficult. So it's an awful lot for people to deal with right now after coming through two years of dealing with an awful lot. And unfortunately, I don't think the clouds are going to part for a little while. Yeah, that's true. It's been pretty overwhelming for everyone. It's hard to keep a good perspective, especially when things keep coming at us um, and with fewer staff to handle it all. One of the things that is a tradition at LRI and um, is always very pop- one of the most popular sessions is your perk updates. And I'm guessing there's some interesting cases to highlight, especially given some of the pandemic challenges we've been facing. Can you give us a sneak peek at one of those cases you might be highlighting? Yeah, there's a, a couple and, and will undoubtedly be more when I catch up on my inbox full of reading materials here. But um, there was a case last fall, actually, that, that our firm handled out of uh, Ben Franklin Transit that presented a, a new issue to PERC that I don't think they've completely got their, their arms around yet. And it, it involves what happens when you have multiple protected rights that kind of conflict in a union environment. So in this particular case, there was a a union business agent who engaged in a lot of really awful and offensive behavior directed largely at the management team, but but particularly at the, the HR director to the point that she felt sufficiently threatened that she got a temporary restraining order uh, put in place saying that, that he could not come within 500 feet of her or something. Uh, that obviously created some real challenges in the union relationship because she was a, a point person for the employer's labor relations. And the employer, I think, took the, the reasonable position that, look, your, your person union can't be near our person. You need to find somebody else. And, and that ended up with some ULPs. The hearing examiner confronted an issue that, as I say, Perk has not really ruled on before about what happens when protected union rights and, and protected Title VII rights clash. And I think from my perspective, did not really get quite to the right balance in terms of how they resolve that. Basically, the ruling is, well, the employer should go find somebody else to do its bargaining. I think they might want to take a second look at that. It's up on appeal now, but that's one we'll be talking about. There's another that's in my inbox that I've only scanned that will be very interesting to watch in the law enforcement space. And this is a, a new case out of the UW involving its use of uh, community service officers as opposed to police to respond to certain calls on campus and the like. And at least at the hearing examiner stage, the Perk has said that the UW's decision to take some of these calls that were previously the work of its police and give it to CSOs was not a mandatory subject of bargaining. Um, both of those cases are on appeal. We'll be talking about them this year and probably again next, but um, some interesting stuff for us to cogitate on. That is really interesting. The first case in particular where somebody's felt threatened. I mean, that's the sort of thing that's a bit of a nightmare as an employer. You want your employees to feel safe in the workplace, not harassed and threatened. So that's a... Yeah, I mean, it's a real conundrum for employers. This is actually an issue that the NLRB has been wrestling with in the last few years, and they've drawn the lines a little bit differently than Perk has. So again, I think I think there'll be more to come on that case, and I'll be quite interested to see what happens when the commission rules on it. But uh, definitely a, um, 
a question that's coming up in the workplace and one we need an answer to. Yeah, I agree. And, um, you know, we've, we've heard a lot of focus on civility in, in government kind of at all levels. And this makes me think of that that need for that focus on civility. You mentioned a police case there, a law enforcement case. Obviously, we're all really aware of the numerous police reforms that were passed in 2021. Um, Some updates to some of those reforms were just passed um, in the 2022 session and are are just now taking effect. Uh, What are you seeing um, related to those police reforms in bargaining with police guilds? Well, that's a bit of a complicated question to answer, but um, you know, I think the, those reforms and the overall climate of reform are having a lot of impacts at the bargaining table. There's some very tangible issues like um, you know, the, the, the big jurisdictions, many of them had adopted body-worn cameras years ago, but, but um, across the state, particularly in smaller jurisdictions with less resources, that had not become the norm. And, um, the, the conventional wisdom, I think, to comply with some of the new requirements about recording custodial interviews are that pretty much everybody is heading down the body-worn camera path. So there's been a lot of activity at a lot of tables about how to do that. And as anybody who's been through that topic with at a police table knows well, there are just a lot of issues to go through when you're talking about cameras. You know, how do they get turned on? When do they get turned on? Who gets to see the footage? What happens if, if they're not turned on, et cetera, et cetera. And so I, there's been a lot of, of work on that. Also, a lot of discussion on that topic about do people get paid a premium to wear a body camera? And that's something that the jurisdictions have kind of gone multiple directions on. I think the, the maybe not so much the identified reforms in particular, but the overall reform environment and, and um, and the economy and the availability of so many other jobs and options has, has created a, a real staffing problem in the police space. Um, every jurisdiction that, that we interact with is hiring. Um, there's, at this point, amazing amounts of money chasing after a limited pool of people. And uh, you know, I think the going rate over here in Central Puget Sound for hiring bonuses is, a, is about 30000 bucks right now. It's very easy for officers to jump jurisdictions, um, and you know there there are other complicating factors there. We have practices and policies that some agencies have adopted with regard to COVID have not been well received by the police and, and have caused some to to leave the force or be or, or be discharged for not complying with policies. So I mean it's it's really kind of endemic at this point across the state that there are a lot fewer people in law enforcement than there are positions. And there's a lot of uh, amazing amounts of money really chasing after the people who are, are there or, or who can be recruited into the, the profession. So we're, we're seeing settlements that are hitting double digits, um, stuff that, that I haven't seen in my, in my career. And then I think the other thing that's happening, probably partly courtesy of reform, uh, partly courtesy of the staffing levels and just the money in in law enforcement right now is um, quite a bit more movement towards civilianization. And so that's what that UW case is about. And and that's happening both from the perspective of jurisdictions that want to come up with some, some sort of response to particular types of incidents that doesn't involve a gun and a badge. 
I think it's also a way that, that many jurisdictions are likely going to start plugging some gaps that they have in coverage right now with, with just shrinking the forces. Um, and there's just a lot to work through there around bargaining unit uh, boundaries and unit work issues and all. So uh, it's a pretty complicated time right now at the, the police bargaining tables. And I, I doubt anything that's happening is going to make that simpler. Yeah, I've heard from numerous city officials around the state um, with their struggles on hiring officers and, and filling those vacancies and certainly sympathize. Um, it, it's a challenge. And I know they're struggling with those hiring bonuses versus re retaining current officers. And um, it's a really tough balance. Yeah, and there, there's some other dynamics at work. There are, you know, that that is a, a workforce like pretty much everywhere else in the public sector that's aging. There's an awful lot of people in police who are retirement eligible. And so there's, there's a challenge that that presents. I don't have any data to back this up, but my impression has long been that the lengthy wars that we were fighting in Afghanistan and Iraq generated kind of a steady stream of, of veterans, many of whom were attracted to policing, uh, some of them trained in the military for that. And I, I wonder if, if that, that uh, kind of feeder supply is being affected by the you know, change in our military posture over time. So there's just an awful lot going on. Yeah, it's a little bit of a perfect storm of uh, issues hitting that, that field that I don't think are gonna end anytime soon. And no, I think it's safe to say we'll be talking about that for the next couple of our lives. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of things we wish would end sooner, the pandemic has driven our work um, virtual and online and, and Zoom. And of course, we're having this conversation via Zoom. And we were talking earlier about the legislative session um, being remote. And there were there's some advantages to that and disadvantages um, to, to a remote legislative process. How has going remote um, and going or, or hybrid changed the nature of your work at Summit and, and bargaining and, and working on labor issues? Well, I, I would say that, that my initial reaction to our um, kind of forced move into remote, remote work was, was one of pleasant surprise. I was, was both uh, impressed and enormously proud of, of our firm and my colleagues and how quickly and efficiently they picked up their work uh, from their bedrooms and living rooms and whatever else and, and, and really were, were able to just keep soldiering on. And I think that was probably true for, for most agencies as well. That, that happened easier and better than I expected. Uh, you know, labor relations is very much a relationship business, and you know, I, I for one, have never found Zoom to be a, a substitute for being in the room with people. And I think it's, I think it's just harder to bargain this way. It, it, it can happen, but people are distracted by things that are in their environment at home, and not, and it's very hard to to read the room. You know, I think it's hard to know whether people are actually paying attention and talking, or if they're being distracted by something else. I think it's an imperfect substitute to bargain this way. Um, I was was surprised, unpleasantly this time, to learn that that uh, Zoom actually kind of sped up uh, my practice and, and our practices here at Summit. I, I didn't actually think that was possible, but um, you know, it turns out when you don't have to drive an hour or two between appointments and you can put them back to back to back on your calendar that there's no impediment to being in three cities or four cities in one day. And, and 
that can get to be a little bewildering when you're trying to, to do multiple deals with trying to remember if you, you already told somebody that this morning, was it the right, this table or a different one? So that part's been a challenge. Uh, and I think, you know, just from Summit's perspective, culture is a really important part of, of our firm and our identity. And it's, you know, why we like being here. And so that's a hard thing to, to maintain, I think, in a Zoom environment. I'm, I'm you know, I, I'm looking forward to having more people around the office. We, we kind of have that every day, but I think that's, I think we've proven to ourselves that that's important for us. And, and we, we're looking forward to something a little more normal, hopefully. Yeah, I can definitely sympathize with that meeting schedule impact from the pandemic and not having that travel time uh, in between meetings, because that travel time is, can be really important to reset, to, to consider uh, reflect on whatever you were just working on. And now, it, yeah, the back-to-back nature, we don't cut ourselves a lot of slack uh, on the scheduling. No, I, I, I learned a fair amount about, I think, how the human brain works from all this. You really do need some time to put the files away after one meeting before you dive into the next. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure we're going to be using some sort of hybrid environment probably for the rest of my career, but I, I do think that it will, um, it will be important to begin scheduling that in a little more rational way than maybe we've done in the last two years. Well, maybe one more question for you before um, we wrap up and uh, see each other in May and Yakima. So this is the preview of 2022, but looking into your crystal ball, what do you think will be the issues we'll be talking about at LRI 2023? Well, unfortunately, I don't think that our staffing challenges are going to be solved in the coming months. Uh, I, I still scratch my head about where all the workers went. I just, uh, I, I, I can't imagine that so many millions of people were all retirement ready and I wasn't one of them. But uh, <laughs> so maybe they'll all show up, but I doubt it. I think we'll be talking about that for a, a while. And I, I fear that, that the inflationary environment that we're in is going to persist a little bit too, and that, that will likely be a real challenge at the bargaining table and city budgets and everything else. Now, I also think that we'll be talking really about COVID probably as an endemic kind of state. I think we're likely going to have to live with this disease and occasional disruptions as a kind of a going forward matter. So I, I think we'll, we'll probably have different issues to talk about, but, but perhaps still some that are, are COVID related. And you know, I think we'll probably be reading some cases and talking some about what, what I expect to, to be a challenge for many employers in the coming months, which is just reintegrating people back to an in-person environment. Um, that's not without problem. I mean, a lot of people have kind of forgotten how to deal with each other in the hallway and around the water cooler and all. And, um, I think we'll have some interesting tales to tell of bad behavior and other things that we had to, had to sort out as people kind of learned how to, to, to interrelate again. So uh, I don't think we'll run out of stuff to talk about. We never seem to. Um, there, LRI always is a packed agenda. Lots of, lots of things to cover. Uh, Rod, thanks for joining us today for this uh, LRI 2022 sneak peek. Um, we're looking forward to getting back together in Yakima in May and seeing you and the rest of the summiteers there. Thank you. We're looking forward to seeing everybody and, uh, and enjoying the chance to actually interact in person for, a, for the first time in a very long time. For more information about all things human resources and labor relations, check out AWC's HR Insights newsletter. Look for it on the second Thursday of a bi-monthly cycle. In 2022, that's in April, June, August, October, and December.
Additionally, we look forward to seeing everyone in person this year at the Labor Relations Institute, taking place May 4th through the 6th in Yakima. If you've never been to LRI, it's the premier training event for public sector human resources professionals in Washington, and registration is open on our website, wacities.org LRI. Please note that attendance at LRI is limited to those who solely represent the interests of management. That's it for the City Voice podcast. As always, thanks for listening.